You're listening to a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We rely on the financial support of listeners like yourself to keep going. If you'd like to support diverse voices on your radio, go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Stay tuned to hear the rest of your 3CR podcast. Evil minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death's construction In the fields of bodies burning As the war machine keeps turning Death and hatred to mankind Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia on the National Community Radio Satellite. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week, Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. Listen to analysis of local, national, international events. Listen to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Radio Network across the country, north to south, east to west, everywhere, up and down and around. Now, a lot of people have asked me what's happened to the sacred cow. Well, she's decided to live with the Martians. She doesn't like it down here on Earth, so uh, we won't be seeing her for a number of months until social isolation has uh, got rid of. Now, this program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. And if you're wondering what anarchy is all about, anarchos without rulers, a society without rulers is a society which is based on equality in in, uh, power and wealth. Power and wealth. Power and wealth. Power and wealth. That's what it's all about. That's a society without rulers. So you need to develop power and share wealth. Now, you need to have a little bit of patience. I'm kind of sitting in the middle of nowhere. I've got a uh, mobile phone on my lap, some stuff coming out of my ears. I'm trying to broadcast through Community Radio 3CR to the rest of Australia through the Community Radio Network, which isn't an easy task, obviously, but uh, it's important that we continue to look at what's happening in the world around us. It's very important that we continue to look at the world around us and decide what to do. Yeah, yeah because um, it's um, it's becoming ex- extremely difficult, extremely difficult to uh, uh, to uh, kind of live any type of life. I'll give you an example. I saw a particularly interesting um, picture in uh, cartoon in Sudan, and I'm going to talk about that because I want to talk about the IMF and the World Bank cannibalising the... Uh, Third world, and it was quite um, fascinating to see uh, this lineup of hundreds, if not thousands, of women waiting to buy subsidised bread. One Sudanese pound for seventy grams. That's right, one Sudanese pound for seventy grams. While the average wage of the uh, uh, most Sudanese would be about thirty pounds a week, if that. No social distancing. Uh, unable to 
social distance because obviously the economic considerations sometimes outdo the health considerations. So why do we find ourselves in this situation where so many people around the world are so ill-prepared to deal with the pandemic? And a lot of the blame needs to be... Uh, a lot of the blame needs to be... A lot of the blame needs to be... Uh, a lot of the blame needs to be directed yeah, at... Uh, Yes, we're having a few technical issues, but we will get there. We will get there. A lot of the blame needs to be directed at the World Bank and the IMF. Uh, yes, we're having a bit of fun here. Not really. So why? Well, over the last 40 years, the World Bank and the IMF have been lending money to uh, developing nations and third world countries around the world on one condition, that they accept a structural adjustment program. So what is a structural adjustment program? Well, a structural adjustment program means that they have to sign up to privatisation and deregulation. And one of the areas that the World Bank and the IMF have been really, really active is in dismantling public health systems around the world and attempting to privatise public, public health systems. And in many countries with rudimentary public health systems, the fact that the money that goes into those countries from the IMF and the World Bank is related to the fact that they will deregulate their economies and allow the private sector to dominate the marketplace means that when you have a COVID-19 emergency, there is no public health system to look after the situation. It's the same in the United States of America. I mean, they have an exceptionally high death rate, exceptionally high death rate and a high infection rate. And to a large degree, it is directly related to the fact that uh, they, it is directly related to the fact that they um, don't have a public health system. And as I've said consistently on this program, one of the main reasons that Australia has been able to deal with the COVID-19 crisis in a relatively efficient manner isn't because of the Morrison government, but because we've had a public health system, because we've got a pharmaceutical benefit system, because we've got uh, a national medical insurance system called Medicare, which gives all each and every Australian, irrespective of the amount of coins in their pocket, access to a, a reasonable standard of health care and in an emergency, a great standard of health care. And to a significant degree, this has occurred not because the Liberal National Party, the ALP, this has occurred because of people like you and me that have been involved in campaigns decades after decades after decades, initially to defend and extend Medibank, which was the initial name of the uh, system, and now defend and extend Medicare. And I remember... About 15 years ago, uh, people I was involved with and myself, we were pilloried in the press. 
We were investigated by ASIO because we had the audacity to be involved in a successful campaign during the Abbott era to uh, defend and extend Medicare. So don't think that we find ourselves in this particular situation because uh, a positive situation. Don't think we find ourselves in this positive situation because um, you know of the. Uh, government uh, uh, helping us, it's because we have been involved in specific campaigns which have been directed at opposing globalisation and privatisation and uh, globalisation, privatisation, deregulation and uh, corporatisation. So it is tragic to see what's happening in the developing world as COVID-19 begins to spread out of Europe and the United States of America into the developing world. And it's quite devastating. It's just not just devastating economic factors, but also health factors. And to a significant degree, the blame should be laid directly on the shoulders of the International Monetary Fund, the World Bank, the G20, all these organisations which have been lending money on the basis of countries deregulating. Exactly. That's the way it's been. That's the way it has been, and now we are seeing the consequences. Now, it's interesting that the uh, neoliberal dinosaurs, although we believed we'd driven a stake through their hearts, is now attempting to come back, have a second coming. And uh, I've been amazed. I've been amazed at the amount of... um, I've been amazed at the the response in many many regards to to the current crisis because, you know, I think, and many of the people who listen to this program think that it's no, it's no longer going to be business as usual. It shouldn't be business as usual. No more business as usual. And it was interesting to hear the Governor of the Reserve Bank, Mr Philip Lowe, the Reserve Bank of Australia, Mr Philip Lowe, talk about increasing deregulation and more importantly, use the term labour flexibility, which is a fancy word to say is destroy what's left of the trade union movement so we can actually push working people around. Because they know they've got a problem. They've got a real problem. They've got a taxation problem. They know that this trillion dollars they put out to keep the country uh, relatively stable over the next six months needs to be paid back. And they're already... Uh, working out ways that this should be paid back. And they're not concentrated on the corporate sector. What they're concentrating is in you and me. And that's why you hear discussions about increasing GST. You hear discussions about changing uh, the taxation system. And the list goes on and on. Because currently, we are in a particularly difficult situation as far as not only health, but as far as the economy is concerned. Because the dilemma is, when do you three up the economy? And more importantly, when do you pay back 
piper. And if it's going to be business as usual, there's going to be a lot of pain. And most of that pain is going to be borne by the 30% of people on Social Security benefits and all those workers who have reduced hours, who've lost their jobs, and uh, when the JobKeeper uh, uh, allowance uh, ends, we're going to find themselves in difficult situations. And especially small business, which employs 5 million Australians, which is about 50% of the population, who are in a situation where they uh, continue to pay rent, continue to pay bills, and uh, irrespective of whether they keep their workers on or not by uh, the job seeker allowance, uh, the arrangements that have been made to help small business do not help them one iota because any rent which is deferred has to be made up within the next uh, two years uh, after September. So think about that. It's going to be a particularly difficult situation for a lot of small business. Now, it's easy for me to complain, and I'm not complaining. I am looking at the situation. There's no point complaining. What's the point of complaining? You know, but we need to understand what's going on around us. We need to understand the costs of privatisation. We need to understand what happens when we privatise essential services. We need to understand what happens when we uh, when we decide to deregulate? We need to understand when we outlaw strikes and make a trade unionists uh, have less rights than actually are criminals in this country. I mean, if you're a member of the construction, mining, maritime, forestry, and energy union, you can be called into a kangaroo court. You refuse to answer questions. You can be jailed. There's no right to silence. If I imported a billion dollars of ecstasy tomorrow, I would have more rights than a member of the CFMMEU. That's the way it is today. And this is nothing, and this has happened over decades because we have allowed it to happen. And, and my major concern is that the neoliberal dinosaurs are planning a second coming. And their Trojan horse, Mr. Philip Lowe, the uh, head of the uh, Reserve Bank, you know, he stated quite clearly what they want to do. They want to change the taxation system, which is code for increasing GST, which has a maximal effect on uh, people who uh, have no disposable income because they're paying a huge percentage in terms of their income. It means that uh, whatever is left of the trade union movement is put on the chopping block and uh, cut to pieces. It means removing regulations which have protected people for generations, and uh, Mr Lowe called for the removal of regulations, and we can actually see uh, the current Liberal National Party, to a lesser degree, the Australian Labor Party and the Greens kind of line up behind uh, these ideas. So we are in a position of change. And whenever there's a crisis, there's opportunities. There's opportunities to go backwards. There's opportunities to go forwards. And as I've said over and over during this program over the last few months, irrespective of social distancing, um, regulation, 
irrespective of the uh, closing down of about a third of the economy, the fact is that we are at a crisis point. And will it be business as usual? Will it be more business as usual? Will it be more power to the corporate sector? Will it be more power to uh, people uh, in authority? Will it be more draconian legislation by governments at the state and federal level? Will it be uh, more ordinary people uh, shouldering the burden of the cost of the COVID-19 crisis? Or will we be part of a movement to create a new world? That's right, a new world. Now, I've been quite heartened over the last two weeks after a slow... uh, beginning, but I've been very heartened by the response of people to public interest before corporate interest. And as I said before, we are trying to change the political, social, cultural dynamics in this country to move away from privatisation, to move away from globalisation, to move away from deregulation, and to move away from uh, from corporatisation. That's what we have been attempting to do with no success. There's one thing I am, it's realistic. But in the last uh, few weeks, we've seen membership in public interest before corporate interest increase. Currently, we have 420 members on the uh, electoral roll. We need another 130 to register as a federal political party. Now, it's important to remember that public interest before corporate interest is not just a federal political party. It's not just a political party. It is also a social, political and cultural movement that is designed to change the political, social and cultural discussion, dynamic and structures in this country. That's what it is designed to do. Now, a lot of people say to me, Ah, what's the point, Joe? They always win. Nothing will change. Uh, Or they say, I'm just too frightened. I don't know what the consequences will be for me. Well, if everybody fought like that during human history, we'd still be in the dark ages. We'd still be in a situation where... uh, We'd still be in a situation where we, yeah, you'll still be in a situation where nothing changes. Now, could you imagine 300 years ago when the Quakers started the anti-slavery movement? I'm sure everybody said to them, you know, you people, you'll get nowhere. They got somewhere. It took time, but they got somewhere. Do you imagine after the Second World War when Australian troops came home and they were homeless and they said, we want a public Health. We want a public um, public housing in this country, and we want it to be expanded quickly. You think if they didn't ask and push and shove, that things wouldn't have changed? Although currently we have governments which believe that public housing should be privatised, especially the Victorian government, which is the worst government uh, in Australia regarding uh, 
public housing, Labor Party or no Labor Party led. Do you think we would have this health system we have today? I'm old enough to remember when people had to pay to access a public health system. I'm old enough to remember when Medibank was first introduced, doctors screaming that it would be the end of private medicine as we know it. I remember when the pharmaceutical benefits scheme was introduced where people couldn't actually afford medication. And even today, 30% of people still can't afford to fill their scripts. And the list goes on and on. Do you think that what we have today would have been here if we hadn't struggled for it? I say to people, if you want to put a stake through the neoliberal dinosaur's heart or the neoliberal vampire's heart, if you want to stop the second coming of the neoliberal dinosaurs and they're planning for a second country and they want to give you the same medicine, deregulation, privatisation, corporatisation and globalisation, well, then we need to stand up. We need to stand up as individuals. We need to stand up as groups. We need to stand up as families. We need to stand up as members of this community. And we need to change the agenda. What COVID-19 has proven is that the economic direction, the social, cultural direction we have pushed for the last 40 years, not we, they have pushed, those in authority have pushed, has spectacularly failed to deal with the crisis spectacularly failed, and we're at the very beginning of this crisis, not the end. And as I said last week, there's an economic cost, there's a health cost, and there's a security cost in terms of increased government intervention in day-to-day life. So it's essential that we put up different demands. It's essential as soon as the... uh, legislation regarding people gatherings is lifted that we take to the streets and put forward these demands. And what public interest before corporate interest does is actually allow people to come together and put these demands as a viable response to the situation. Now, I know a lot of people... Uh, keep saying that there's no point, there's no point, there's no point. Well, there's no point. What's the point of me sitting here talking to you for the last 40-plus years, 43 years? There is a point. If there is no push, there is no shove for change, there are no new ideas, nothing will ever change. So there is a point. And if you may be feeling socially isolated, you may be feeling depressed, you may be feeling as if it's all pointless. The issue is, what are we going to do post-COVID-19? Now, I've had a number of calls which are quite interesting. Uh, I do get occasionally interesting calls, and you can leave a message on 0439 395 489. 0439 395 Leave a message and I will get back to you. Maybe a day or two, but I will get back to you. You can also write to me at Post Office Box 20, Parkville, 
3052. You can email me at anarchistage at yahoo.com, anarchistage at yahoo.com, or you can email me at info at pipci.net. And don't forget that this program, the Anarchist World This Week, is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au, 3cr.org.au. And let's not forget to thank all those wonderful people, the Community Radio Network, who ensure that the Anarchist World This Week is broadcast across Australia every year. Without them, we would be nothing. Without them, we would be nothing. So what does Pipsy want? What does public interest before corporate interest want? What are our demands? What are our policies? Well, our first demand, and it is a demand, is for a universal basic income. If there's one thing that the COVID-19 crisis has supported, that in a capitalist society, if there isn't a universal basic income, there is disaster. There is a price to be paid. There is unemployment. There will be inflation. There will be increased interest rates. There will be people who lose their livelihood within a blink of an eye. And if there is nothing for them to fall back on, let's not forget that over 50% of Australians wouldn't have $200 in the bank at the end of the week. Let's not forget that. If there isn't a universal basic income, which is paid to every adult, and obviously adjusted for the number of children you're responsible for. There is no way that we can actually survive or cushion the majority of the population from a uh, natural disaster, from war, from pandemics, and the list goes on and on. So we are in a position to actually have a universal basic income. So instead of talking about increasing the GST, what we should talk about is the impositions of new taxes on those that have done very well over the last 40 years. And let's not forget that 40 years ago, if you're an investor, you invested a dollar and you made a profit of that dollar, 66 cents of that profit would actually go to the worker who made the profit for you and 34% would go to you. 40 years later, the equation has been turned on its head. 66 of every dollar which is made profit goes to the investor and 34% actually goes to the worker. So there is a lot of fact in the corporate sector. We wouldn't have these rich billionaires in this country, and there are a number of billionaires who've grown fat on the labour of other people if we had a fair taxation system. So we need to work out a way to fund a universal basic income. And the best way to fund a universal basic income is with a 1% turnover tax. Now, I know the government is talking about making Google and Facebook pay a little bit of money for all the stuff they steal off other people and you know, put up on their site so they can sell you advertising and collect information about you. Let's not forget you're the information, so you give them as little as possible. If you want to use their facilities, which I do, you can go to my Facebook page, Joseph Toscano, and see what's, that, what's going on, or Toscano for the public, and see what's going on. But the dilemma is, the dilemma is that we need to be able to 
start discussion regarding new tackles which don't hit the average person, which don't hit uh, everybody uh, on a low income or a social security benefit like an increase in GST, but taxes which inc- actually affect the investment class. So let's not forget the investment class, which makes up about 12% of Australian society, has done exceptionally well from Australian investment-friendly taxation laws, corporations as well as individual things like negative gearing, things like uh, rebates to corporations, things like uh, tax laws which ensure that corporations pay voluntary taxation, things like allowing our mineral resources to be developed uh, and exported uh, at bargain basement prices. So how do you fund a universal basic income? One, a 1% turnover tax. Every time an individual or a corporation uh, does a financial transaction, 1% automatically goes to the Treasury and a 1% tax on the sale and uh, every time a share is sold or bought. Now, you could actually raise over 300 to $350 billion from introduction of these two new taxes, and they would fund a universal basic income. At the same time, you'd be able to uh, get rid of thousands of pieces of legislation regarding social security system. You could close down Centrelink. You could get rid of, you could decrease the number of people in the public service. You wouldn't have to wait three days to get through the Centrelink on a telephone, and the list goes on and on because you wouldn't need it, because every individual would receive that universal basic income on a fortnightly basis in their bank account. And let's not forget that everybody, well, everybody has a bank account these days. So a universal basic income is fundamental to PIPSI policy, public interest before corporate interest. Go to our website, pipsy.net, and you'll see it's there, universal. The next thing, what's the next thing we want? We want a mixed economy. What we've seen over the last 40 years is the privatisation of the public sector. And now currently in Australia, it is the private sector which dominates every aspect of our existence. The private sector. And we've seen legislation after legislation which has increased the power of the private sector at the expense of the public sector. So we need a mixed economy. We just don't want a private and a public economy. We want a three-tier economy. We want an economy which is based on collective and cooperative, which is based on private business, which is based on the public sector. So a collective and cooperative sector, a private sector and a public sector. When you've got three tiers to the economy, you have the potential for real competition, not just bodgy competition, which which, uh, occurs between a few corporations which seem to dominate every aspect of our existence. Now, I don't know if you're a bit of a shopping centre guru. I don't go often, but I do like, when I drive past them, I look at the advertisements, and I do notice the same names appearing over and over again all over Australia. That's what corporatisation is all about. And that needs to be broken because most small business 
which will not survive the COVID-19 crisis, but they will survive the COVID-19 crisis. So we need a mixed economy. People who work in collectives and cooperatives don't get rich, but they do provide services and they have an income. The problem with the cooperative and collective sector is no bank, no financial institution, no government will provide funding. So the way you provide funding is through quarantining 1% of superannuation reserves to be used for uh, seeding funding for cooperatives and collectives. Some will fail, many will succeed and they'll be able to pay back that seeding funding with interest. So the next thing we would like to see is the renationalisation of essential services. It's no exaggeration to say that the privatisation of electricity, gas, partial privatisation of water has been a disaster. Also, we've seen a partial privatisation of the public health sector, especially the public hospital sector. And it's been a disaster for everybody. And it's essential that we re-nationalise essential services. Could you imagine what would have occurred today if the uh, the national um, MBS, if the NBS was in private hands? Fortunately, it's still in public hands because it needed to be created in order to create the network. And the network has held up pretty well, not because it's in uh, private hands, but because it's in public hands. So the NBN, sorry, the NBN. You know, we, we want the NBN to remain in public hands. But this time, when we establish, and not to forget that public services, uh, essential nationalised services, are actually bankrolled by the people of this country, this time we want a referendum to be held to ensure that the ownership of public assets is actually incorporated into the Australian Constitution. Because in the past, although generations of Australians put their heart and soul into creating essential, nationalised essential services like the Commonwealth Bank, like uh, Qantas, like uh, Energy Systems, and the list goes on and on, these assets were sold by government. They didn't go to the people, they just sold off these assets. Now, if the ownership of these assets is incorporated in the Australian Constitution, then they cannot be sold without a referendum. And I can assure you that the Australian people are smart enough to realise that it's better to have essential services owned by them than governments which come and go. So that's something we should be thinking of. Now, another thing that we are very interested in as a, a social movement, a political movement and a political party is our natural resources. Now, many countries have wealth funds. We have a wealth fund that's really not worth crowing about. I find it extraordinary that we have billionaires created from the exploitation of mineral resources which are owned by the people because anything underneath the ground is not yours. is actually owned by the state. But we, are, we have seen over and over again, whether it's coal, whether it's gas, whether it's diamonds, whether it's gold, whether it's iron ore, whether it's bauxite, 
whether it's uranium, whether it's rare minerals, and the list goes on and on, sand, minerals, sand, and the list goes on and on. We have seen extraordinary profits being made by a section of the economy that only employs about 2.5% of people because of mechanisation. Extraordinary. So we would like to see if these uh, sectors of the community continue to be owned by the private sector, we'd like the profits to be distributed 25% to the shareholders, 75% to the people of this country who actually own the resources and those resources to be put into a wealth fund to look after the interests of both Indigenous Australians and the rest of the community. Could you imagine what we could do as a people, as a nation, if 75% of profits which were created from uh, mineral resources which we own, theoretically, were used for the public good, not for the uh, wealth of uh, individuals and uh, major shareholders in these corporations. So these are some of the ideas that we want to put forward at this critical moment because putting the interests of the many, which is the public, before the interests of the few guarantees that we create a secure, stable society which is able to weather the winds of change which is able to deal with the climate emergency, which is able to deal with natural disasters, which is able to deal with pandemics. And if we continue to have more business as usual, which is what the government of the Reserve Bank and the Morrison-led government is all about, look at their response to the demise of Virgin Australia. Look at their response. It's the same old ideologues who've been forced to make some uh, allowances for the Australian people during this economic situation. So it's time that we had different ideas out there for debate. Now, I'm not saying it's easy. It's not easy. It's exceptionally difficult, especially when you've got a government girl at ABC and a corporate-owned media which continues to fly the deregulation, privatisation, globalisation, corporatisation flag every minute of the day, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, 365 days in a leap year. But what we have, which they don't have, is we have viable ideas and solutions to not just this crisis, but forthcoming crisis. We have that solution. And all social and political movements that have been created in this, on this planet over the last 5,000 years have been based on need, have been based on the concept of need. It took a long time for people to understand that ultimate political authority in any democratic society, and let's not forget that democracy as we know it is dying, but ultimate political authority in any democratic society rests in the hands of the people. Not the capital of the day, not the state, not the security forces, not the bureaucracy, but ultimately in the hands of the people. And it's essential that we take up this struggle as soon as we can. 
because it's no exaggeration that as I speak about alternatives, there are powerful forces in our society which are talking about more business as usual, who believe that the only way out of this situation is more deregulation, outlawing trade unions, um, screwing down on Social Security beneficiaries, uh, deregulating the labour market, which means removing minimum wages, and the list goes on and on. And that's what we face. And let's not forget, this was a government which passed legislation which removed overtime payments for some of the poorest workers in this country. And they got a wire for it because the media kept talking about franking credit, which is just basically a gift to shareholders by government, which will be up to $80 billion the next two to three years. We don't do something about things like this. So let's not forget that we are in a difficult situation. And what the COVID uh, crisis has done, it's highlighted the situation. And we don't want more business as usual. Now, you're listening to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia by the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live by three, three, streaming live by the Community Radio Network. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org. Now, I've been very... Uh, uh, pleased with the response, the public response for increased uh, memberships as far as public interest before corporate interest is concerned, is our intention to apply for registration as a federal political party by the end of September. If we can't do it by then, by the end of the year. We currently have 420 members on the electoral roll. We've had memberships been rolling in the last two or three weeks. Uh, it's important that you keep sending that you, if you listen to this program and you want to change the direction of the society, that you think very seriously about joining public interest before corporate interest. We're very interested in uh, recruiting people who are on their federal electoral roll because we need, we need uh, 550 people before we apply for registration. We currently have 420 members on the federal electoral roll. Uh, we need uh, another... Uh, which won't take long if you take this seriously. This is a great opportunity. It is an opportunity. People are thinking, they're reflecting. Uh, this is the honeymoon period, believe it or not. Social isolation, social distancing is the honeymoon period. You know, people realise how difficult things are going to be for them at the end of six months or nine months when the economic factors hit you. Look, I still get an extraordinary number of bills coming in. Nobody's offered me a uh, reduction or anything. Unfortunately, occasionally I have to use uh, Transurban. They've offered no reduction. You've still got to pay all your bills. There's no reduction in the rate. Uh, business people who pay rent, who've got leases, can't break those leases. People who've got to pay rent are expected to catch up on that rent in the last in the next two years. And in Australia... If you uh, walk away from your uh, mortgage payments, uh, the government, uh, the uh, the bank or the living institution can uh, can uh, hassle you uh, for the next for, for all eternity for the rest of the money until they bankrupt you. So this is the honeymoon phase. 
this is a health phase, this is a honeymoon phase. It's obviously it's important you keep yourself safe. It's important that you keep yourself healthy. It's important that uh, we keep ourselves and our family and friends safe because the political struggle, the social struggle, which will occur once this COVID-19 crisis is over, is going to be huge. And it's going to determine what type of society we are going to be for the next 50 to 100 years. It will determine whether we can actually deal with the climate emergency. It will determine whether we have a fair society. It will determine whether we have uh, essential services which are publicly owned, and the list goes on and on. And as I said before, we need your support. I can't do it by myself. You can't do it by yourself. We need thousands of people, tens of thousands of people. We need to create this grand social movement. We're not talking about revolution. We are talking about basic political reforms which can be introduced under the current constitutional arrangement. This is a reform movement, not a revolutionary movement. It can occur tomorrow. All it needs is enough pressure for political parties to understand they will need to change their policies. And if they don't change their policies, groups like public interest before corporate interest will then have the opportunity to put forward their ideas to people and hopefully actually make some impact on this current political discussion. Now, I know it's easy to say, they always win. What's the point? Why should we bother? Truth is, they don't always win. They win sometimes, they lose sometimes. And the times they lose is when we get together. So if you want to join public interest before corporate interest, you can do it in a number of ways. You can download the application form from pipcpibci.net. Don't have a printer. Don't despair. You can uh, not on the internet. Don't despair. You can always leave a message on 0439 395 489. 0439 395 489. And I'll send you out as many application forms as you like. You can write to me at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. That's Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. And those people who have recently sent in the application forms in the last two to three weeks, they'll be processed in the next day or two and you should receive your membership card in the next week. As I said before, these are critical times. We are, it's either business as usual and we see the second coming of the ideological neoliberal dinosaurs. We see the neoliberal vampire pull a stake out of its heart and continue to dominate life in this country. Or we actually see people joining together, fighting back. Now, don't forget that this program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. That's 3cr.org.au. Don't forget that uh, there are a number of Facebook pages you can look at. Uh, Joseph Toscano. That's Joseph, J-O-S-E-P-H, Toscano, T-O-S-C-A-N-O. Toscano for the public. Uh, Defend and extend public housing. 
public housing, everybody's business. You can go to the Anarchist Institute website, anarchistmedia.org. You can actually go to um, pipsy.net, the web page. Now, for some reason, Facebook has decided that uh, public interest before corporate interest is not a nice... We're not nice people, and uh, they won't allow us on their Facebook page. But we're there. Go to the web page, download the application form, you can either email it to us or you can post it into Post Office Box 20 Parkville 3052. Now, a few warnings. Whenever there's a crisis, people exploit that crisis for their own personal benefit. And there are a number of things happening around the country today that you should be aware of, where we are seeing people exploiting the current situation. The first one is in the environmental stage. Deforestation has actually gone crazy. Around the country, we are seeing uh, native forests ripped down because there's no uh, anybody to keep a tab on things. Everybody's sitting in their virtual offices doing virtual things, not going out and doing things. So the forestry industry is taking uh, advantage of the situation, logging coops, which uh, have been... Uh, haven't been able to log for a long time. And a lot of uh, people in uh, regional and rural Australia, especially large landowners, have been using this opportunity to actually rip off, rip down uh, old-growth forests. So think about that. Secondly, there's a lot of scams going on at the minute, huge number of scams. A lot of people see this as opportunity to make a buck out of you, to make a buck out of fear. So be very careful exceptionally careful, especially when dealing with telephone calls, when dealing with people offering you uh, deals which seem too good to be true. And uh, with uh, the World Wide Web, it's very easy to rip people off, especially when they are socially isolated. So if you're concerned, don't press that button. Talk to somebody about it. Because if it's too good to be true, irrespective of the name which appears on that. So be careful of those because you can lose your life savings in the blink of an eye. And this is something you need to think of. The third thing we need to... These are things that, that are occurring under cover of the COVID-19 crisis is building industry continues to function, but corners are being cut because there aren't inspectors out there and most of them are privatised anyway to keep an eye on what's going on. So be very careful in that particular point in the situation. And we are seeing governments pass laws which um, inhibit, have nothing to do with social distancing and the health, but partial laws which, are, especially as far as the drug unions are concerned, passing laws which are causing a great deal of discomfort to a lot of people in the trade union movement and also passing laws which are causing a lot of deal of discomfort to people who understand uh, the way governments work. So think about that. I mean, there's a lot of things out there that you really have to be exceptionally careful because when you can't actually leave your home and uh, investigate these issues, then this is the time for exploitation. So under cover of the COVID-19 crisis, we have to be careful. So let's make sure the old rulers don't continue to rule. 
This is our moment in the sun. Every dog has its day. This is our moment. This is the moment for clear thinking, courage, different ideas. This is the moment that we need to take up in order to change the political, social, cultural direction of this country. Not just as a political party, but as a political movement which is demanding a universal basic income, a mixed economy based on collective cooperatives, the private sector and a public sector, the nationalisation of essential services and 75% of profits from mineral resources to go back to a well-fund to deal with crisis. The time to look at new forms of taxation which actually don't affect ordinary people like an increase in the GST. Now is our time. You've been listening to the Amicus World this week, broadcast by the Community Radio Network. This program has been streaming live on 3cr.org.au. That's 3cr.org.au. The program has been broadcast around the country courtesy of the Community Radio Satellite. That's right. Can you say Community Radio Network? The Community Radio Network. If you want to join public interest before corporate interest, doesn't matter where you live in Australia, download the application form from pibci.net. P-I-B-C-I.net. You can actually write to us at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. You can email me at amicusage at yahoo.com or you can go to email me at info at pipsy.net. My name's Joseph Toscano. I've been hosting today's Anarchist World this week. Apologies for any technical problems, but as I said, these are extraordinary times. I'm broadcasting outside the studio. Uh, we broadcast from a community radio station which runs on the smell of an oily rag. If it wasn't for the volunteers and the staff here, we'd never be able to broadcast here. So I'm eternally grateful to the efforts and energy which so many people have put into ensuring that the Anarchist World this week continues to come to you live from the studios of 3CR in Melbourne by the Community Radio Network. And don't forget, this program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. Download the application form to join Pipsy, pipsy.net. Thank you for listening to the Evil minds that plot destruction. Sorcerer of death's construction. An analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Anarchist World This Week, Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. 10am every Wednesday. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national and international events. Poisoning their brainwashed minds. Oh, larger.
You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.